everyone. Welcome back to the Queen of Calm podcast. I'm your host, Paisley Haddad. So I hope everyone is transitioning well from the July 4th weekend. I know it's always so hard to get back in the swing of things, you know, for that four-day week after a long weekend, but we'll power through this week. But you're listening to a new episode of the Queen of Calm podcast. And for this week's Industry Insights, I first want to circle back to Industry Insights I did two weeks ago, I think, when we were talking about The Summer I Turned Pretty on Prime Video, which was amazing. I binged it for the second time this weekend because it is just such a good show and I can't wait for seasons two and three, hence why I already have you know finished binging the book two and three of the series. Um, and if you're not familiar with what we were talking about before, let me just quickly recap. The Summer I Turned Pretty is a book series by Jenny Han, who is also the author of the Um, To All the Boys I Loved Before series, which was a bunch of Netflix movies. And this book series particularly came out in 2009. And it's now been turned into an Amazon Prime series. And it's just amazing. And it really touches on, you know, those times of the teenage experience in 2009 when the books came out. But also it, you know, brings us to 2022, which is like that modern, you know, TikTok, you know, Gen Z, all of that. So it's just such a clever way of how they brought those two together for this. Um, And their communication strategy was up to par with that as well. You know, we saw so many different tactics, you know, whether it was, you know, really playing on that, you know, early 2000s, like Team Conrad versus Team Jeremiah. Same thing with like the Twilight series or the Hunger Games series. Um, They really capitalize on that well. You know, they really have that great Gen Z voice in their messaging and they're on all sorts of social media. But something that came out after we chatted about this, about Industry Insights, was that they started a show Tumblr. So. I'm sure everyone listening to this is familiar with Tumblr. And if you were, you know, on Tumblr in 2013, you know how special that was for TV shows and movies and music of, you know, having gifts and different conversations and, you know, coding. I love that meme where it's like, did you even learn to code if you weren't on Tumblr in 2013? Like that having a show Tumblr with it not being like a popular social media nowadays really speaks to that nostalgia factor that they're trying to hit like many you know, shows or companies or products are trying to hit now with, you know, this new wave of nostalgia post pandemic. And so I think they're really hitting that target audience so well for the show, you know, whether you're in your 20s, and you want to relive your teenage days when you read these books, or you you are a teenager, and you really want to start reading the books and learn more about them. But also, you know, if you're an adult, and you really love the adult friendships in the books and everything. So I think it's just such a cute and amazing series. Um, and I can't wait to see seasons two and three. So hats off again to the Summer I Turn Pretty team and Prime Video team for their calm wins in relation to that. But as for today's episode, it's all about the theme Viva Las Vegas because I'll be talking to a Las Vegas area PR agency CEO about her work with um, you know shows and attractions in Las Vegas as well as restaurants and big personalities like Terry Bradshaw. But we'll get into that in a minute. I really want to touch on for another industry insight, the new Elvis movie from Baz Luhrmann. It is, I haven't seen the movie yet, but this comm strategy is amazing. I'm a huge Austin Butler fan. I always have been because I loved him in Sharpay's Fabulous Adventure as the high school musical historian that I am. And yes, I call myself that. (laughs) But, you know, I just think it's so amazing to see his journey, which was a big part of the communication strategy, commenting on, you know, how he's been in Hollywood all these years. He was on Nickelodeon shows and Disney shows and movies. And he was always that background character to now being, you know, the title character of this really important film about an icon and really building that persona and doing his research and his homework. 
So having that to comment on and his interviews is such a great talking point that they, you know, brought to the table with this movie, but also, you know, that nostalgia factor for viewers, you know, whether you're an old, you're older and you were a big fan of Elvis back in the day when he was alive to people who are just finding out about Elvis and learning more about his career and his music to then, you know, having that buildup that was on TikTok when you first found out that Austin Butler was going to play Elvis after all of the rumors and people making edits and the song Vegas by Doja Cat, which bookmarks the film so well, I think, to, you know, build it that like virality of the, I, I think that's the word virality <laughs> of, you know, the movie and build that interest on TikTok to then kind of that discourse that whether you loved or you hated it, everyone was talking about Austin Butler's Elvis's accent. And so that was just so, you know, great to start that conversation about the movie. You know, people want to see it, hear the accent. You know, they wanted to watch clips over and over and all this and dissect it to then now with the movie out, people talking about the movie, people sharing their favorite moments, their experiences going to the theater. And I just think it's, they've created such a great conversation surrounding this, not only in the press, but also, you know, on TikTok and social media where all of this is going on. And to really, you know, bookmark that in the movie world, the Minions movie is doing that as well <laughs> with this new, you know, like TikTok trend of like going to see the Minions movie in suits and bringing bananas and doing this whole TikTok trend with this certain song and everything. TikTok truly is driving, you know, those results in terms of communications and, you know, building that, you know, newsworthy factor of things that are going on in media, but also just for every single brand and product. So it's just been amazing to watch, you know, the Elvis movie team, you know, do these communications wins and strategies so hats off to the team and for my final industry insight of the week this is something that i saw right before i hopped on here to record but as a huge fan of the jonas brothers and as a joe girl i am also a huge fan of dnce and so they have had a string of new singles come out where they've really been hitting on those nostalgia factors doing like these tiktok videos that you know are going viral like they were doing a cover of a JoJo song. And by JoJo, I mean the original JoJo, not Siwa. <laughs> JoJo from like Nickelodeon and Disney Days, Aquamarine. Um, and so like that went viral because she duetted it in this whole thing. And so they've been really having fun with their communication strategies and marketing strategies. So something I saw right before I came on here to record was, does anyone remember those early 2000s milk commercials where the celebrities had the milk mustache and it said got milk at the bottom. Well, DNC's new single is called Got Me Good, question mark. <laughs> and they recreated the milk mustache, um, you know, advertisement. And they really, you know, played on words with their song and everything. So I think that's so brilliant because they're really hitting on that nostalgia factor. Like we've just been talking about how that is just so huge post pandemic. And so to see them do it so well and so clever is amazing. So hats off to the DNCE team. But like I was saying, my guest this week is so knowledgeable in the hospitality and entertainment industry and PR. Um, she's going to tell the story of how she came to make Las Vegas her, her home and how she found a community in PR in Las Vegas and how that's translated into having multiple locations for her agency. Um, you know, how, the importance of mentorship for women and, you know, what you should be learning along the way to really build your career skills and, you know, get to integrated into the PR industry. So be sure to stay tuned for the interview. But before that, just a few quick reminders. As always, if you're not following us already on Instagram, follow us at Queen of Calm Podcast and at Queen of Calm Pod on Twitter. And if you're really enjoying the Queen of Calm Podcast and you want to let us know how you feel, 
head to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. And finally, if you have a question, you want to comment on something, you want to go back to a topic we've talked about before on the show, or if you just want to say hey, be sure to leave us a voicemail at the link in our Instagram bio or head to anchor.fm slash Podcast slash message and you could be on the Queen of Com podcast. But without further ado, stay tuned for the interview. My next guest is the CEO and founder of Wicked Creative, a PR firm with offices in Las Vegas, San Diego, Portland, and Dallas. Please welcome Stephanie Wilson to the podcast. Welcome, Stephanie. So glad to have you on the show today. Hi, thank you for having me. Of course. So why don't we get started with how you first got interested in communications? Sure. So, uh, you know, I was studying journalism in college and I kept changing what my focus or concentration was going to be on. Like I thought TV for a bit, but I really wanted to do the writing. And then I went to newspaper, but then I didn't want to be in a, in a newsroom. And I didn't really want to cover hard news because that sounded really depressing. And uh, there was just kind of this um, natural like gravitation toward public relations. And so I actually studied PR in school. I went to Colorado State University and then ended up working in public relations. And, and what I didn't realize at the time is when I was growing up, like when I was in high school and in college, I always worked in restaurants. I always worked in hospitality. And I had no idea at the time that that would actually help prepare me for my career in public relations because I've always done a lot of work in hospitality since I've been working in PR. That's awesome. And yeah, that's great that you were able to make that connection with, you know, places you worked before and then with your interests. And so you touched on college a bit, um, but what was your college experience like and how did that help you to refine your interest post-graduation? I mean, the biggest and best way that it helped me was just the writing. You know, I uh, just being a journalism major, I had to do so much writing and, and that really helped prepare me more than anything else, because that's how we spend so much of our days where pitching journalists, writing fresh releases, communicating with clients, and how we write is is how we sell what our clients do or help, sure, I shouldn't say sell, should help we, helps us like promote and, and you know, just puts our, like frames our clients the best way possible is, is expressed through our writing. Yes, definitely. And, and learning the AP style early on too is so important as well. And it makes our job easier later on if we have a basis of that in college. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's funny. Um, it was either yesterday or day before yesterday. One of our clients asked if we could start putting Oxford commas in our press release, and we all like, we're like, no, no, we cannot put Oxford commas in our press release. So you're like, you have no idea. Like this has been like, you know, ingrained in us since since studying journalism in college. So that, <laughs> that's funny. Um, so I also wanted to ask you too, so post-graduation, you know, you figured out your love for public relations and how you can, you know, tie it to your interests. So what was your career journey like up until you began Wicked Creative? Uh, it was great. I, and I was really fortunate because I, um, I was living, you know, I, I, like I said, I went to Colorado State University. Um, I was in the Denver area. I knew I'd grown up in Colorado. I really wanted to try something new. And I thought I wanted to do entertainment PR. And this is a long time ago, you know, it, it was like before the days that you could do Zoom interviews or anything else. And, you know, nobody's going to pay for you to travel for an interview when you're right out of college. So I knew that the only way that I could do that would be as if I moved to Southern California. And I thought, you know, I'm going to move to LA, I'm going to work with celebrities, and that's going to be my path. And um, so I just packed up, you know, I, I saved up some money, packed up my car, drove out West, kind of randomly, you know, made some connections in Las Vegas. And I was interviewing for jobs in both places. And 
I had been given the advice at the time that if I took a job in LA doing public relations, I um, wouldn't be able to, like, as an entry-level professional, I wouldn't be able to afford to live. And I, you know, just, you know, just given the advice, take a job in Las Vegas, you can work in entertainment, you can start getting this experience, and then you can move into LA and come in at a higher level when you can actually afford to live in LA. And so, um, so that had been my plan. And then, you know, that's kind of how it always starts. You think you have a plan and then other things come into play. And so I started working in um, Las Vegas with an, an agency and, you know, was able to work uh, with all of these cool projects and, and, you know, in all these different areas. Like I worked on attractions. I worked on, you know, the opening of a roller coaster. I worked with Wolfgang Puck Fine Dining Group and was able to accompany Wolfgang on radio interviews to, you know, going and visiting TV stations and doing those kind of things. Um, you know, major media are in Las Vegas all the time. So within my first couple of years of, of working in PR, I was able to work with Access Hollywood and Extra and Entertainment Tonight and People and, you know, all these big fun outlets. And so it was um, a really great place and way to get my career started because the, the first years that I was working, I, I just learned so much. Um, and then uh, after doing that, like I said, it was like three and a half years um, I was offered a position to be director of marketing with an iClub company. And so then I, you know, kind of went that way for a few years and, um, you know, two or three years into it, I wanted to do more than just nightlife. Like it wasn't really my passion, even though, and, and it was, I mean, that, that's its own beast, you know, and you can get a lot of experience doing um, red carpet events and celebrity appearances and all those things. And they're fun for a while. And then you miss kind of having a normal schedule again. And so I um, was then had another opportunity and I, I um, joined a gaming company as director of marketing. And I um, like that, that company was, it was interesting. They, it was a new investor that had come in and, and bought a bunch of assets and, um, and they had a lot going on. Um, but about a year into it, um, I was offered another position um, to be director of, of marketing for this huge development company related. And they were opening up a Las Vegas office and they were going to do this $3 billion development with George Clooney called Las Ramblas. So um, for me, it was, you know, a really great sort of dream opportunity to kind of come in at the ground level of a development like that and, and be a part of announcing it and everything else. Well, they announced the project. It was like the announcement came, um, like the same day as Hurricane Katrina. <laughs> oh no. And um, yeah, and it was, which was unbelievable. And that was really kind of what tipped off the start of the recession. And so um, they ended up like, it, it, the timing wasn't right. You know, it wasn't a, a good time to be launching a new like new project. And, you know, they were a smart company and they did the smart thing, which was to sell the land at a time where they could still make a profit on it. Um, but that meant my job was going away. And I was thinking, okay, what can I do with this experience? Like I started with an agency, you know, I worked for um, in-house in with a gaming company, in-house with a nightlife and hospitality company, um, in-house with a real estate development company, like the best thing that I could think of to do with my experience. And the other thing too, is I like the idea of my livelihood being in my own hands. And so I um, decided to start the companies to start an agency because it was the only way that I could convert all of the experience that I had already into a job that could cover all of those things. And then also, um, you know, like I said, have my livelihood in my own hands because 
I wouldn't be subject to layoffs. I wouldn't be, you know, subject to like a project disappearing. And at the time I'd had a job offer from another real estate developer to be their director of marketing as I was kind of, you know, they knew what was happening with, with this company. And I talked them into being our first client. So I was able to start Wicked Creative with a client, which was great. Um, but it was a startup in every way. I mean, I remember, you know, um, assembling desks, you know, like like using a credit card to buy office equipment, like, you know, and, and just kind of working out a deal and trade at one point with a client to have office space. Like, um, you know, and, and, and I think a lot of, you know, business owners do that. You just figure out like, okay, like what's the kind of cheapest way for me to um to open the doors and and get my business rolling because starting a business can be so expensive um that you just you know like I, in pr you learn so much about how to be resourceful and in starting you know my own company it's like kind of applying that into something that was my own Wow. Well, that was such an amazing story you just told of your career. And I feel like I love hearing everyone's stories of how they get started in the industry because they are so different and you never know what's going to happen in your life and different people that you meet. So that was such a great example of that with your story of, you know, how you met all these people along the way. You originally wanted to be in Los Angeles and you ended up in Las Vegas. So that was super interesting. Um, and my show was all about helping college students and recent graduates really refine their interests in the communications industry. So I know that Wiki Creative works with a lot of hospitality clients and um, you work with Terry Bradshaw at one point. So can you give uh, uh, listeners a little behind the scenes look into that, um, you know, industry and PR and what it's like to work in hospitality and entertainment PR? Sure. Um, and actually, we still do PR for Terry Bradshaw, which is um, great, you know, um, and uh, we also like Sammy Hagar, so that's another entertainer that we have, and of course, legendary singer Van Halen, and he has his own spirits portfolios. So we work with him on those projects, and um, what's great with Terry and Sammy is that they're both entrepreneurs, because, you know, for the day-to-day -day PR, you know, they're both, like, trying to success in what they do, and they're so busy, they don't have a lot of time for media interviews, but they're both entrepreneurs, and so for them, that's where PR makes sense, is to have PR representation that can help them move and promote their products. Um, but for like kind of finding that niche and that's what's interesting too is, you know, when I was in college, I thought, you know, maybe I'll do sports PR or maybe I'll do, you know, like I said, like I was thinking like, maybe I'll do entertainment. And the funny thing, um, you know, with entertainment and thinking about LA is like what I thought it would be and kind of what it is were sort of two different things. And I think, you know, the only way to discover that is kind of just to be, you know, immerse yourself a little bit into that environment. And, um, you know, I came to the conclusion pretty quickly. And, and this was, you know, this is a great thing about um, when you start your career with an agency, which I would highly recommend to anybody, is that when you work in an agency, you can try all of the, wearing all of these different hats, you know, um, so like going with like entertainment as one, hospitality as one, or like I said, attractions. And, um, and I really, you know, had a, a chance to figure out like what I really enjoyed and loved. And, um, you know, while I like all of those things, kind of what, what took off for me personally was um, working in fine dining, working in hospitality, um, because those things are ever changing. And, you know, if you are working with um, a great restaurant, for example, 
they're always going to be rolling out new dishes. They're always going to be introducing cool new cocktails or new experiences and events and those types of things. And um, when you're working with clients that are dynamic, that, that have changed, that gives you a timely angle that you can work with all the time. I would say the hardest type of PR to do ever is if something never changes. If something like exists and it's there and you are tasked with finding media opportunities for this entity, whatever it may be, but nothing ever changes, that's when the job is the most challenging. Yeah, that's such a great point that you so, bring up. I don't about. know if I answered your question. Yes, you definitely did. And that's such a great point you bring up about, you know, having those ever-changing clients because I feel like we're always trying to, you know, drill information out of clients. Like, what do you have coming up? And sometimes they think that these little things aren't as newsworthy as they really are. And we can really have like a human interest angle. So that's so interesting that you brought that up as well for listeners. Um, but I also want to talk about your work with the Girl Scouts. So what does it mean to you to be able to use your position as, you know, CEO and founder of Wicked Creative to help empower these other young women who are in the Girl Scouts organization? Um, I, I think just looking for ways to do mentorship, period, is really important. Um, you know, and, and with the Girl Scouts, um, you know, they do an event in Las Vegas every year. And I, I don't know if they do this everywhere, maybe, but um, I, probably in other markets, I'm sure. But um, but they do this event where they honor um, women in the community with badges. And I was given the uh, entrepreneur badge. And what I really liked about that is when I was growing up, um, when I was growing up, I moved a ton. I, I went to like nine different elementary schools, which is crazy. But all I wanted to do was be a Girl Scout. And I wasn't like, I, I couldn't stay in the same spot. So I, I couldn't be a Girl Scout. And I was like, when I was little, like kind of devastated by that. And so kind of like come around like all these years later and sort of like get to be a Girl Scout, although very old, old like Girl Scout, like just it made me really happy. And then also to um, have a chance to learn more about what the organization does and how it empowers girls, um, which is super important. And, um, you know, it's like kind of reaching girls at a young age and teaching them how strong they are, making them recognize, you know, the like power that they have through um, and building their confidence and, um, you know, just reinforcing like how smart they are and how resourceful they are and creative and all of these incredible things. And, um, and that's, I think, you know, just key, like anything with like young women and girls to instill in them the possibilities of their careers and what they can accomplish um, and to like help them build that confidence because there's, you know, like think about what you would accomplish if, if you didn't think that there were any limits, you know, and, and that's kind of what Girl Scouts does and um, why it's, you know, been a pleasure anytime I've had an opportunity to do anything with them, whether it's like speak to Girl Scouts, like, you know, um, it's like some of the most meaningful things that we can do you know, once you're kind of on this side of it and you've gotten your PR career going and um, just to share like, hey, here, here are like, like, this is what you can do. Like, here are the possibilities. Like, you know, you can take your job in public relations and you can be a super powerful lobbyist or you can be, um, you know, own your own PR agency or you can be um, the head of any PR department and, you know, like be there in the room with all of the other senior executives. Like, 
Um, that's, you know, and, and working in public relations too, you're working with the decision makers. Like when you are the PR representative, you're not working with lower management. You know, you're working with the business owners, the CEOs, the people who are in charge. Yeah, that's such a special honor that you have to work with them and to be able to get that badge, especially with that story of how you wanted to be in the Girl Scouts yourself. And I love how you brought up that point of, you know, having those role models in these different industries, because that's something I love about doing this podcast as well as having, you know, women like you on the show to be able to share their experiences. And I think it's so important for women in our industry of communications, where there's so many different ways in industries, as we know, with like hospitality, entertainment, sports, to get involved in all these different industries and to have these examples of, you know, career paths to follow and ways that you can get involved in, you know, the industry that you're interested in, I think is so important. So speaking on a broader level, in your opinion, you know, it's so important to have that mentorship early on, similar to like what the Girl Scouts are doing, but how can the communications industry be better about um, you know, having those mentorship opportunities for women later on in their career? Um, I mean, I guess, so I've had Wicked Creator now for 16 years, you know, and, um, and, and just to kind of speak a little bit, like actually kind of two things that you're making me think about right now. One is like on, on the side of what you're interested in. So if you are interested in sports or if you are interested in um, you know makeup, if you're interested in fashion, if you're interested in beauty, if you're interested in the, the medical field, like whatever it is that you're you're like interested in, there's a PR job for that. And so you know that's one of the incredible things about PR is like you can really approach building your career from the standpoint like okay, I love to write, I want to be in PR, and my passion is what fill in the blank, and you can find a PR job for that. So that's you know really kind of a cool thing on that side. Um, the other side is, you know, just since I started Wicked, like I mentioned, I started it in Las Vegas. I moved to San Diego um, six or seven years ago. We opened up an office in San Diego seven or eight years ago. And um, and what we've been able to do really like Las Vegas and San Diego is where we have the most people. And then we're growing in those other markets that you mentioned, um, LA, um, Portland and Dallas. Uh, is just having a really strong internship program. And when we first started, like when, you know, Wicked was in its infancy and we had three or four employees and we'd like to bring on an intern, it was, you know, kind of not that we ever intended it to be, but the internship was almost like an afterthought, not that we didn't want it to be great, but again, you get so busy, you know, and, and what we've done over time is we've really built up an internship program. And so now what we do and what we would recommend to other agencies too, is that, you know, take on as many interns as you possibly can and have structure to your, in, to your um, uh, internship program. So we go through the same training with them that we do with our entry-level employees with coordinators. And we share that training guide with them. We go through all of the same steps. Um, and then we do some checklists for them. So we make sure that they are, you know, able to go staff events, that they're able to, um, like write press releases that they're able to even pitch, pitch media, or sometimes it might be on the social media, like craft social media posts or whatever that, that we want them to get their hands dirty. And we want them to have that experience. Um, the other thing, um, that we've done in the past that I'd like to bring back and it's, it's been a little funny in our in virtual world, but, um, is just giving, um, internships an opportunity to speak. So, um, you know, we've done things where we've given internships project where we say like, okay, we want you to put together, like say Discord, like Discord is suddenly popping up as like kind of a, a new social media, 
you know, online, like community building sort of thing. And, and um, when I brought it up to my team, you know, because a client brought it up, you know, we're kind of like, okay, what is that? And sometimes that's great for the interns to say like, hey, you know what, we wanted you to do a presentation about Discord. They can go and they do the research and pull all the information and then present it on a call. And that gives them opportunity, you know, an opportunity to learn how to present themselves during a meeting as well. So we try to do as much of that as possible where the interns have real responsibilities and real work and can use the internship to build their own portfolio so that when they go on and they're looking for their first job, they can say, you know, here's a press release I wrote, here are, you know, the stories that came from that, um, you know, here, I, you know, I know how to use these different um, reporting tools, I know how to use Cision, you know, I know, like, like, just things so that they actually kind of come to their first job, like armed with more than what they get in school. I love how dedicated you are to, you know, having those, you know, examples that they can show in interviews and everything, because I think that is such an important part of the internship process. I know sometimes interns feel, you know, at, at different companies, like, oh, I feel like I'm not learning anything. I'm not doing anything. So it's so great that you have that dedication to their learning and their growth. Um, and so from the intern's perspective, what are your tips for, um, you know, interns? What should they bring to an internship to make it worthwhile on their side? Um, and that's, you know, it's funny, it's, I, I, I was just thinking when I did my internship when I was in school, it was for um, the school district in Fort Collins, which was like, probably the least sexy internship opportunity. <laughs> I was Fort Collins, Colorado, so there weren't a lot out there. But, but, you know, like, I think the coveted ones were with the Denver agencies and stuff. And um, anyway, so I, I wasn't really looking forward to it in the beginning, but because I was working for educators, like what mattered to them is that I was getting the real experience and they were great at that, you know? And so, um, you know, I think, um, the, as, as when you're looking for an internship to, um, you know, kind of like maybe like one, you want to, um, be willing to work and you want to be flexible, you know, like here are the days and hours I can work and be willing to commit to a schedule. You know, I can be there every Monday from, nine to noon or and every Thursday from like give specific times and then follow through and treat it like a job. Um, and then uh, the other thing too, is that you can really look at your internship as an opportunity to, um, to, to, to work, to get a job um, as much as possible. We try to hire interns and we have quite a few members of our team that were actually former interns. So that's important as well. It's like, you know, when you're looking for an internship, like actually have in mind, like, what kind of job are you looking for and look for that type of internship go willing to be you know nimble flexible and and offer to do things and and take initiative like if you want to write press releases and you want to you know like yes it's got it like hey i really love help writing may i write the first draft of one of your press releases for you um do you mind if i listen in on any of your meetings like like advocate for yourself you know which I feel like that's such a, a buzzword these days and I have an 11 year old and I'm always <laughs> making him advocate for himself, but, but that's really big and important too. And, and it's really easy to stand out in that regard too. But like what I found is, you know, when we have a job opening and we get a, you know, a bunch of resumes from entry-level candidates, every once in a while, somebody finds my contact information and says like, hi, Stephanie, I just want to introduce myself. I just interviewed for this job and, um, you know, would really like for you to take a look at my resume or you know, and just uh, if, if you have a chance or, you know, if you can operate like whatever it is, but when those candidates reach out to me personally, it almost never happens. 
And I, I always go back and I'll say, hey, this candidate showed initiative. Can you give their writing test another look? Um, the other piece of advice I would give too, um, you know, just as, uh, you know, whether it's looking for internships or looking for your first job, there's like, we have a writing test, like so many agencies have a writing test that you need to, to take before you can be considered for the position. And um, to practice, practice your writing, um, really make sure that you're, you know, looking at many other examples of press releases, as many as you can find. And, um, you know, really study your headline writing and headline styles, like, like really kind of come into it with like as prepared as you can possibly be. Thank you so much for sharing so. those tips. Th those are so awesome. And I think that's such a great learning experience for listeners too, to hear you share those tips as, you know, a CEO that, you know, to get those emails, Hey, can you look at my resume and, you know, get that, you know, connection right away because that networking factor is so important in an internship as well. And so I wanted to ask you too, it might be, you know, different now because, you know, we're in this semi-virtual world. Some people, some internships are on zoom, some are in person, but you know, when there's those chances for those networking and, you know, mentorship calls with different people who interns may be working with in the office, what are your tips for a great, you know, mentor mentee relationship? You know, what should these interns be asking in these mentorship uh, calls and meetings? I think, um, you know, one is just for opportunities to, to like build their own portfolio and for opportunities to learn, you know, I think like the willingness to learn and say like, you know, really love to work with you on a press release, get your feedback for you to tell me what I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong, what I can work on, what I can do better. Um, just to kind of go in with an openness and, um, you know, and, and ask for help, ask for guidance. Um, what do you wish, you know, asking whoever the supervisor is or however you're doing your internship is, like, wh what do you wish you would have known when you were at my stage and you were getting ready to start your career? Like, asking questions, you know, it's, it's great. So it, it's kind of hard because sometimes I think you feel like a deer in headlights, like suddenly, you know, you're, you're kind of thrust into this and, and you get nervous and, and it is hard. It's, it's funny. I have a team member who has like 10 years of experience and she was on a call today and she was getting so nervous. And it was <laughs> funny because I like, wow, like you're getting really nervous. Like, you know what? It, so it's, it happens to everybody. And just to be aware of that, but, um, you know, try to, kind of go in prepared about what sort of questions you want to ask and what you want to do, or, you know, write it down, have a list with you, um, you know, a checklist of items that you want to learn from your internship so that you aren't just kind of there reactive addressing everything, you know, um, but the, you actually come a, with a list of things that you want to learn and that you want to. Um, every once in a while we get interns like that and they're always like just, it's super impressive and it, it makes like a good impression. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that you mentioned that having that checklist and everything in order and what you want to learn before, because that is, that helps the internship, you know, coordinator, whoever is, you know, being their supervisor to really steer them in the right direction and th things that they want to work on. So thank you so much for sharing that. Um, but Stephanie, I have one final question for you. And it's something that I asked to all my guests. Um, I'm very inspired by Sophie Amoruso and she founded the term girl boss and create a whole empire on it. So I love to end the episode by asking my guests about a woman or multiple women who inspire them to end the episode on a positive note. So Stephanie, who is your favorite girl boss? Oh gosh, that's Stephanie. And so, okay. I mean, I guess because there are quite a few, but um, one of our clients I really admire, her name's Anita Mann and she um, produced fantasy, a show on the strip. 
Um, but she was a choreographer for everyone from Elvis Presley to Michael Jackson, and she she made her own career happen. So she was a dancer, like back, you know, and uh, like this time in the movies where there used to be these big elaborate productions, <laughs> big dance numbers and everything. And from a really, like, she was literally a teenager and she was like speaking up saying like, what if we do this? And like, like offering ideas for choreography and they were just like, oh, wait, yeah, that looks good. Why don't you come up here and, you know, be a front and shows and, and, and she just was a boss from the very beginning and, and she built this huge, amazing career and, you know, owns her own production company now. And, um, you know, is, is like started out as a dancer. And, and I think that's too, is that, um, you know, her name's Anita Mann and she never recognized limits and that's why she is where she is today. I love that. She sounds amazing. I'll have to check her out if she's on social media, but yeah, that's such an amazing story. And as a dancer myself, that sounds very inspiring of the work she did. And I've heard of fantasy too. So that's awesome. So thank you so much for sharing her as your girl boss. Absolutely. And yeah, she's great. I mean, I'd say, you know, and there's like a few, I, oh, you know what? I want to tell one other story. Is that okay? Oh yeah, of course. And then I'll, I'll, okay. So sorry. So there's um, another client that we have and her name is Carol Gavry and she's a restaurateur in, in San Diego. And um, she, like when she was very young, she, she has started this business. It was called the surrogate wife. And um, she worked with high network bachelors and she would buy their groceries and help with design <laughs> advice. And she would just do these things for them that they just, you know, didn't have time to do or maybe didn't necessarily know what to do. And it was such an interesting experience that she wrote a screenplay about it, wrote the screenplay, sold it to Lifetime. She used the money that she made from that. I'm so sorry. That's she used the money that she made from that to, um, I, my dogs are breaking like crazy, to open up her first restaurant, Cafe 222, which is still in downtown San Diego, like 24 years later or something. Wow. That, that is, that is an amazing story. I'll have to check out that movie too on Lifetime. I feel, I feel like every time I ask this question, I'm like, I have to go check out everyone who, someone who, um, who all my guests mentioned, because there's so many amazing stories out there. And yeah, that, that is super cool. <laughs> Debbie, thank you so much for coming uh, yeah, on the show. Yeah. This no, you're welcome. Thank you so much. We like, we made it the whole time almost exact without the dogs barking. So, but thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. Did you enjoy this episode of the queen of calm podcast? Well, head to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Do you want to be on the Queen of Calm podcast? Head to the link in our Instagram bio or to anchor.fm slash queenofcompodcast slash message to leave us a voicemail that could potentially be used on the show. And finally, if you're not already, follow us on social media at Queen of Calm Podcast on Instagram and at Queen of Calm Pod on Twitter. Join us next week as we celebrate more women in communications.